Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. The Eye Test, with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche, and after 22 years, The Sickest NHL Podcast. It's gonna be sick. And welcome to another edition of the Eye Test here on the Sick Podcast Network. Jimmy Murphy and Pierre McGuire on a on-campus Friday. Pierre and I, we're going to be psyched to welcome in in a few minutes uh, the head coach of the Providence College Friars, Nate Lehman. One of the, in my eyes, Pierre, kind of an underrated guy, if you ask me. I mean, I know people that know college hockey well like you and are inside the game more know who he is. But in general, I don't think he gets enough love. And right now he has his team. 10th in the pairwise, heading into Maine tonight and tomorrow night with a chance to leapfrog the uh, Black Bears in the standings as well. So a big weekend for uh, the Providence Friars, and we're psyched to have on head coach Nate Lehman today. Before we get to Coach Lehman, I just want to apologize to our viewers and our listeners for yesterday. I don't know what happened, but obviously I wasn't able to be on the entire show with Gord Miller, but I could hear you and Gord, Jimmy, and I thought it was outstanding conversation. And Gord brought a lot to the party, so I'm really grateful that he actually appeared. And uh, Jimmy did an outstanding job in light of the fact that I wasn't able to join in, so I feel guilt. Now, oh, all that, oh, no, I do. Now, all that being said, I agree with what you said about Coach Lehman. Um, consistency is a big part of being a coach. Mm-hmm. And if you look at when he started at Union and the consistency that he had there, then you look at the consistency that he's had since he's been at Providence College, uh, winning a national championship in 2015. Yeah, but he's been consistent. You know, he's won a world junior gold. He's done a lot of really high end things as a coach at a lot of different levels, lower than obviously the NHL or the American Hockey League. But he's done it, Jimmy. And I think what he's done more than anything else, when there was a little bit of disarray in the Providence College hockey program, he put Providence College hockey back on the map. A lot like what Ben Barr, who they're playing against this weekend, has done at the University of Maine, a lot like what Greg Carville has done, obviously, at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, your alma mater, like what uh, Mike Cavanaugh has done at University of Connecticut. So there are a lot of coaches, I think, in hockey East have done a really nice job rekindling the energy for their respective programs and universities. For sure. You beat me to it there. I was going to draw those analogies. Uh, and it's great that they're doing this, too, because, you know, for those who aren't familiar with Providence College, they've got a, a wealth of history uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to college hockey. I mean, they, they've always been a, a big college hockey institution, of course, uh, one of your favorite people in the business, Coach Lamorello, uh, started off there in Providence. So 
it's, it's, it's a strong tradition there, and it's good to see them doing well again. Um, and I look at it too, Pierre, uh, the Hockey East in general. I'm, I'm just very impressed this year with them, with the, the amount of talent they've put forward, the competition they're having. So it's a great conference to be in. And Providence and Maine should be a great one tonight. Well, this whole weekend will be great because the people up in Orono, Maine are highly addicted to successful and fun hockey. And that building is going to rock up there at Alphon Arena. And Coach Lehman is going to get his first taste of it this year. Obviously, he's had a big taste of it over the course of his career. Um, but I think, you know, Jimmy, you talk about Hockey East. I think all the leagues, if you look at the standings in all the leagues. They're all compact. It's unbelievable. This yeah. is one of those years where – the bottom team can beat a top team. And I wouldn't want to be one of those top teams going into the playoffs because, as we know, you know, sometimes things can turn real quickly in college hockey. Providence College is a great example. In 1985, when Steve Sterling was coaching there, he had uh -huh. a guy like Chris Terreri in goal. He had, a, yep. he had a guy like Tim Army up front. They had all kinds of success. They go to the national championship game. They lose to RPI in Joe Lewis Arena. But, you know, again, it's a Providence College tie-in. They got hot because Chris Terreri just started going crazy in goal. Timmy Army started playing unbelievable hockey. And then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. so the guys follow, and they go to the, you know, Stanley, or they go to yeah. the NBA final, which is amazing. It's unbelievable. So that's what can happen. And I think this is one of those years in college hockey. It'll be interesting to hear what Coach Lehman has to say. Um, but this is one of those years in college hockey where I think anybody could win. I really mean that. And, and, yeah. the league, and also in the NCAA tournament. And if I'm not mistaken, Pierre, uh, were the old Providence Friars in those years, they were wearing the Cooperalls, weren't they? They wore the Cooperall. You're darn right. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> they were the Cooperalls. I remember those <laughs> pictures. And that was uh, – didn't Chris Terrell – didn't have that game. It was like a triple overtime or something. Michigan, I know one thing. He did unbelievable things at Munn Arena at Michigan State. They yep. upset them. Then they played Boston College, and they upset them. And everybody's like – That was the one I'm thinking of, yeah. When is this going to stop? Exactly. So, you know, again – I had just started my coaching career back then. And it's interesting uh -huh. because right after Coach Sterling took his team to the NCAA final, he left Providence to become the mm -hmm. athletic director and head coach at Babson College, which is at that time an amazing Division II hockey school. And I went with him to be his assistant. And one of the reasons why I went there, first of all, I really liked the way Coach Sterling presented things. But the other part was because he was the athletic director, and this is for the young mm -hmm. coaches out there, I had a chance to get a lot of reps. Yeah. Because my boss was also the athletic director. So I had a chance to actually do practical coaching, not just recruiting, which is what a lot of experience. So it was amazing. Yeah. It really was. That's great. And I'm looking right now, just uh, checking, you know, Nate Lehman's background as I was researching before the show. And he actually uh, had, did some head coaching up your way, right where you are uh, tonight, right, Pierre? Yeah, at Union College, he certainly did. And uh, this has been a really strong program here for a real long time at Union College. They obviously won the national championship here not too many years ago with Rick mm -hmm. Bennett as a head coach and uh, a guy by the name of Shane Gossespierre, who was pretty darn good. That's right. <laughs> pretty <laughs> darn good. He ended up being the MVP of the tournament. Uh and I think they actually call it the most outstanding player of the tournament, but right in the building where he turned pro in Philadelphia. Um, so, yeah, no, they've had some really good players come through. The first real great union player that I remember was mm -hmm. Steve Baker. And Steve Baker ended up being a goalie, a starting goalie for the New York Rangers yeah. way back in the 1970s. And that's, I can tell you right now, Ned Harkness was building this program here at Union. And it was huge. It was a gigantic, a Goliath of a program. That's it's an awesome. outstanding college. 
and uh, and university right in the heart of Schenectady, which is surrounded by General Electric and General Motors. Mm-hmm. So there's so much to do here. And, you know, you look at our, our IT, sorry, RPI just down the road and mm-hmm. you they're both mathematics schools and engineering schools. So for a lot of the students that go to those two schools, they get jobs when they're done. Oh, yeah. Go here in the area because there's just yep. so much employment opportunity. Good stuff. Well, before we get to uh, Coach Lima, I just want to touch on a couple NHL things, Pierre. And you and I were talking a bit off the air before this afternoon. Uh, and, of course, one of them, the game that I saw last night, the Vancouver Canucks and the Boston Bruins. The Boston Bruins, you predicted it, just answered the bell after that stinker against the Calgary Flames uh, on Tuesday. And, you know, it was just one of those, like, they had to have this one. Not just because of who they were playing, Pierre, but as you pointed out, just they they got embarrassed in front of their home fans. And, and these guys have pride. And when something like that happens, you want to answer the bell. You know, it's amazing. You and I talked about it before the game actually started. We were texting back and forth. Brad Marchand grabbed the bull by the horns. He just took the game over right from the start. And and you read the quotes after the game, whether it's from Hompus Lindholm or whether it's from Matty Mm -hmm. Grizzick, whomever you want to read their quotes. They all said the same thing. You know, Brad took the game over. He did right away. So when you have an impact player like that that's wearing a letter on a sweater – everybody else follows. Oh, it doesn't take a lot. It does and you not. You can see it happen. You can see it happen. Yep. Well, let's, we'll get back to that maybe after we do have head coach Nate Lehman join us right now from the Providence Friars. And I believe he's up in Orono, Maine. Uh, hey coach, how you doing? Good guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, it's our pleasure. Thanks for taking the t- time on a game day. Uh, and welcome to on campus Friday here on the eye test. Uh, we really enjoy as we get coaches on every week and, uh, we're psyched to have you on here. And, and coaches, we were just discussing about your team. Uh, you guys have a, a huge opportunity ahead of you this weekend uh, against UMaine in terms of the standings. Uh, how's the team feeling as they get ready for these two big games? Uh, I think we're feeling good. I mean, we're back to being a healthy group for the first time since I think the second or third week of the season. Um, so uh, we, we do have one boy that's out sick tonight. But other than that, I mean, we, we, we were able to practice with everybody this week and you know, you're coming up to Maine. They're undefeated at home. This is a great opportunity for us to send the message that uh, that we want to send of, of being the team that we want to be. Nate, you really have been so consistent since you've been at Providence College. Obviously, I know about your record at Union as well and all the great things you've done at college hockey. But I have to ask you, how important is it for hockey and college hockey in particular to have a great program at Maine with all these fans coming to Alphon Arena does it really help hockey East and all of college hockey? Yeah, I mean, I think it does. I think the fan turnout over the last two years within our league is uh, has seen a huge uptick, and um, you know, not only Maine but Boston College, uh, ourselves, Boston University. Um, you know, there's there's the buzz about college hockey is back, and and uh, that's a good thing for all of us. Uh, now, you know, referencing Maine coming up here, even in their lean years this was a tough place to play, you know, because if they have 3000 people in this building, it seems like they're all right on top of you. Now tonight I know it's a sellout and it's a whiteout and everything. So um, it's going to be a great environment. It it was funny. I was thinking earlier, no matter what, we're going to grow. Like our team will grow and and you have to find ways to keep growing as a group throughout the year. Um, And and this weekend will test us. And I know we're going to grow. It's speaking yeah, I'm just going to throw, it, I'm just okay, gonna throw yeah. it to Coach for one more second. I was up there a month ago watching Colgate play at Maine, and I would just tell you right now, I've been, in, as you know, around hockey for a long time. 
that building is back. It's alive. It was sold out then. The hardest thing about going there is freezing, walking from your parking spot to the rink. Yeah. It's unbelievable how far you have to park to get into the rink. That being said, I, I love what you just said about Boston College, BU, your program. Even Northeastern BU the other night, they had 4,000 people at Matthews Arena, which doesn't happen very often at Matthews, as you know. So is there one thing that's got college hockey back in your view? Well, I, I think part of it is the number of first-round draft picks in our league Absolutely. and the number of draft picks yeah. overall. I think – you know, you, you're, you know, people are seeing that this is, you know, a very direct path to the NHL or, or they're seeing the next stars for the NHL. And um, I, I think the, the players in our league at the level of talent in our league is is one thing. Um, and I think just post COVID, I think the whole school spirit thing is is very much back on, on campus. Mm -hmm. How did you it's great you brought that up, actually, uh, Coach. What was your goal navigating through that? That whole period, a horrible thing for everybody in the world. But just as a coach, you know, being in touch with your players is so important and, and helping them mentally as well. What was like your approach to that as it went on? I don't know if I'd recommend my approach. Because <laughs> <laughs> I look back on it now and it, it, it uh, you know, it, it was frustrating because you wanted, you just kept wanting to get going and wanting to get going and wanting yeah. to get back to normal. Um, you know, and, and, and the more and more that you, you know, you're around it, you saw maybe it doesn't affect this age group as much as, you know, as some other age groups. Now, I was fortunate enough to coach the world junior team also during that. So that That's broke right. it up for me, you know, like mm -hmm. being able to go in the bubble there, uh, getting back to the college season. And then I did the world senior championship also uh, in Latvia that put us right back in a bubble. So it was a long you know, I was with three different teams in the bubble, uh, in different bubbles and different scenarios. I, you know, looking back on it now, um, I give the kids a lot of credit um, because they had to, they had to just keep battling and staying with it. Um, yeah. That patience through it all. I mean, it, it was, I think it was frustrating on everyone, but I, I also give our school a lot of credit and our league, a lot of credit in that we kept kids playing and we, uh -huh. and, we kept, and we kept them developing. Like it wasn't a lost year i think we we still played like 25 games then playoffs so um you know it wasn't all lost you know it yeah. was we were able to keep moving and keep going and and continue the development process for the kids speaking yeah. of development 2015 amazing year for you in providence college the first ever ncaa championship but one of the things and i watched all those games back then i was broadcasting for nbc but i was still near and dear to loving college hockey Jake Wallman's a freshman playing in the NHL and playing really well. Nola Chari playing in the NHL very well. Brandon Tanev playing in the NHL, playing really well. Kevin Rooney just got called up by Calgary playing in the NHL. Mark Jankowski spent a lot of time in the American League, but also in the NHL. Coach, developing that roster, how'd you do it? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, those guys all came in. That, that was all part of our first recruiting class. Um, and all those guys came in with a, with something to prove and a chip on the shoulder and, and very much like wanting to be part of building a program, wanting to be part of proving people wrong. Um, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, I was hard on that group. Um, but they had a lot of potential and you knew it. And, you know, there's John Gillies was in that group also. He's played in the NHL, right? John Gilmore was in that group. He played in the NHL. I think from our national championship team, I think we have eight or nine guys. 
I always look back at a picture. Uh, there's a picture in our in our office suites of the bench, the moment that we won it. And I always look back and laugh at all the NHLers I have on the bench, you know, and, and who I had on the ice first. Yeah. You know, who was who was on the bench, you know, for the last uh, 30, 40 seconds. But you know, we we recruited a good group with a lot to prove, um, and they developed, and they they kept working, and they kept developing, and um, you know, hats off to those guys. Um, you know, I was really proud of that group and proud to be a part of that group. Jimmy, let me ask Coach one follow up. Yeah. So we call this show the eye test for a reason. When you recruit, how important is the eye test? I think the eye test is everything, you know, especially as a head coach recruiting. That's that's one thing that, yeah. you, you know, your assistants can go out and really like a guy and like a guy. And then you go out and you see him and, you know, you as the head coach, you have to have this vision of what they're going to become. You, you, you really in your head, you have to say, all right, I know what that I know what that young man can be. I know what he can become. Now I have trust in him. Now I have faith in him. You know, let's get this guy uh, versus maybe going out and seeing someone not have a good game or, or show bad body language or, you know, get thrown out of a game for, for a dumb reason or something. And then, you know, as the head coach, you're like, I got to go out and see that kid again because mm-hmm. the taste I have in my mouth right now of that boy isn't good enough, you know, that I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt all the time when he struggles. Cause every kid that gets to this level hits adversity, you know, mm-hmm. um, we have a couple freshmen that are coming out of it now, you know, like they're good players, but they have to learn to play and then they'll score, you know, yeah. and it's like that at every level, you know, like I hear the American league guys, you know, say that about our guys. Oh, yeah. in the American league. I hear the NHL guys say that about our guys, you know, so it's, it's like that at every level. There's, there's a step, there's adversity. And, you know, when you guys talk about eye tests for me, you know, I think about recruiting and man, if they don't pass my eye test, you know, I, I, I don't, uh, you know, I don't. I don't know if they can be a friar. I don't know if if when they hit that adversity that I'm I'm really going to be behind them. So um, that's kind of the eye test to me. Jimmy, yeah, you know why the coaches won. Okay, I just I tell know. you that right now. You know, it's funny, coach. You were just talking about you know um, that scoring isn't everything. I know, and it's 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 tough with young kids, right? Because everyone wants the glory and all that. And I was literally just before we came on, I was writing a story on uh, Anthony Richard, who just got called up from the Providence Bruins. And he said literally almost exact same words. He said, I always thought, you know, I had a score, score, score. But once I realized that if I played a 200-foot game, and even more specifically defensively, the offense would actually come. It would translate from that. And so I'm asking you, how great does that feel when you hear a kid say that, when you hear a player say that? Well, they buy into winning, and they buy into a team at that point. You know, they, they, they care or – you know, at least they've learned the lessons that they care more about the team and the team success, mm-hmm. what it takes for the team success than maybe their individual success. Um, you know, I, I always think guys come in and they, they score early and then and then, you know, then they some of that adversity hits. And then it's you know, then they have to learn that 90 percent of this game, I'm not going to have the puck. So right. what am I doing to help our team win? What am I doing to get myself in better positions to score? How am I driving the net? You know, how am I working back? You know, I mean, the game is so fast right now. A lot of your, you know, I would say just as much of your offense comes out of good defense and breaking yep. things up and catching teams out of their structure than it does breaking teams down when they're in their structure. So, 
you know, teaching the kids, you know, that and that there's there's much more to the game. But that's a big time quote by him because to me that that, that tells me that he cares more about a team. Yeah. Coach, we had Brad Berry on last week, the great coach from the University of North Dakota, who I know you know very well. Uh, and we asked him about the potential for major junior players being eligible to play college hockey. How would that affect your recruitment and how would that affect Providence College Hockey? That's a good question because um, it's, it's something that um, I've been, you know, um, delving into for like four or five years. It, 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 it's not it's not new to me, the topic. Um, I sat on a committee with the NHL uh, four or five years ago, and, and this was talked about for a year. Um, but to answer your question, um, I don't know how it, it would affect. I mean, college hockey is in a really good place right now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think it shows in our world junior appearances for the U.S. team. I think it shows in that 30 percent of the NHL is from college hockey. Uh, I think we're developing kids really well. Uh, and I think they're getting educations and they're, and they're, they're having great experiences. Um, would you know, I, I've always thought of it from the NHL perspective. Like, I, I think I think the NHL needs as many 19 year olds playing as possible in the world. Like not not just in the United States, not just can, you know, for the best product to be in the NHL, they want as many 19 year olds as playing as possible. So they want college hockey to be different than major junior because there's two different paths. There's, right. there's a path for for, you know, I always think of like, you know, like a Patrick Kane who, you know, like he probably needed half of a season of major junior and then he's going to be a star in the NHL. Um, and then the, and then there's a path for Brandon Tanev. Who, who at, at 19 years old scored a 30 points, a whopping 30 points wow. in Surrey in the British Columbia League, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I um, and he needed a longer, he needed a longer runway. So, um, you know, there's a lot, you know, it, it's being spoken about now, but, the, but um, what many people don't realize is it's a very lengthy process to get anything changed within the NCA. Mm-hmm. So I know, you know, some, uh, some people have, have brought it up nationally that this is happening. This is happening. It's, it's a long way from it happening. Um, how would it affect uh, Providence? You know, the, the, maybe the talent pool is bigger. Maybe the talent, maybe the, maybe the high end talent pool isn't as big, you know, mm-hmm. um, are we recruiting in Flint? Are we recruiting in Sault Ste. Marie? Are we recruiting in London? Um you know, I, I don't know the answers to those questions. Would American kids go up to the CHL? Uh, I don't know. I just know that I feel like college hockey's in the best place it's been in since I've, I've been in the sport, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, for me, um, I like that there's two paths for kids to choose. I like that. Uh, I like the fact that, you know, in the NCAA, we're doing a really good job right now. So, you know, for me, I'm kind of like a status quo guy. Let's let's keep it the same. You mm-hmm. know, just something that we can approach again in in three four years and and look at it. Um, and you know, and and maybe you know, secondary or other thoughts come up at that time. Coach, uh, for some of our viewers out there that aren't too familiar with Providence uh, hockey this year, uh, but they're going to get a chance now with all these conference tournaments coming up. There'll be a lot more things televised nationally and up in Canada. Um, who are some players you would advise them to check out that maybe fly under the radar for you guys? 
Uh, we have boy Riley Duran is a is a late round pick of the Bruins. He's a really yep. good player. He's on the he's on the U.S. World Junior Team. Chase Yoder was on the national team, U.S. national team. He's he's a he's a very good player. Um, we have Hudson Malinowski, who's a, a freshman. He's a Toronto draft pick, and uh, we have Yaroslav Shemlauer, and he's a, a Czech player that's played in two World Juniors, um, and he's six five. He's a Rangers pick. Wow. Uh, you know, he, he had been out for seven weeks with an injury, he got cut by a skate and it cut a tendon. So this is the first week and he's back. We're excited about that. Um, but you know, I, we're, we're a depth team. I mean, we, we have, you know, really, we have a lot of good players. Um, so I, I don't know if I'm doing my team justice by just pointing out like four or five, yeah. to be honest with you, because, um, you know, I, I, I uh, you know, for our team, any, you know, I, I really feel like, you know, any one of our lines could have two, three goals a night. And right. it's a matter of seeing who's going, who's rolling, you know, who, who's, who has the most confidence with the puck that night. Jimmy, the one thing I'd say to back coach's point up, I think Providence does it as well by committee than any other team in college hockey right now. Right, coach? I think you'd have to say you need to score by committee to be competitive. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we, you know, I said at the beginning of the year, I don't know if we have a 25 goal score, but I really, but, you know, at the end of the year, we're going to have six or seven, 15, 16, yeah. 17, 18 goals. I score. totally, totally concur. And, and, I got to ask, yeah. ask the coach this. When I went to college, I played football, hockey, and baseball. And one of my football coaches, a man by the name, well, I'm going to let you try to figure it out because you're both in the Hall of Fame at Cortland. Let's see if you can figure that out. But anyways, I'll pose the question. How does a guy, a Red Dragon from Cortland State, work his way into college coaching? Well, that's that's a that's an that's a, a story among, on itself. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much time you guys have, but basically, I, I was, you know, I was done with school. I was, um, you know, I, I was finishing at Cortland. Uh, had some great teammates, um, and. Uh, I was a biology major. I, I went up to the University of Maine to do my master's degree in biology, and the school was paying for it. I was—I actually had a grant through the through the government, uh, the Maine state government, that was going to pay for me to do some research on some contaminants. Um, and I was up there about a month and a half, and uh, I went to get beers one night with some other um, grad students, and um, they couldn't stop talking about science. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I can just remember I was sitting at the table. I just remember like, um, you know, they're way more passionate about this than, than me. Yeah. And, and um, you know, long story short, I, I went in and I met with uh, Sean Walsh. I call, I cold called Sean Walsh. He took the call. He said, come in and meet with me. I met wow. with them. Uh, I joined their staff for like a year and a half and we won the national championship. Uh, so I got my master's degree um, and I was looking at, you know, a possible job in Missouri or I was looking at going into coaching and uh, there was an opening at Harvard. So, uh, you know, I was Boston was it. And and I was following my passion, basically. You know, yeah. I mean, that's that that's long stories. I think we all probably have those moments where we go like, wow, mm -hmm. this is really my passion, you know, and, yeah. and you really figure it out. And that was kind of for me, you know, uh, sitting around a table talking about science. I was like, man. I'll do it during the day, but uh, <laughs> so. the, the name I had two football coaches in college. The name of the Cortland Hall of Famer is David Yurick. 
And he's one of the iconic, not just football coaches of the United States football, but also lacrosse. He's a legendary lacrosse coach. And uh, so I know you're both in the Cortland Hall of Fame. And the other (laughs) coach that I played for, and I'm not kidding around, Coach, you talked about having beers for the science students. His name was Jack Daniels. I am not kidding you. (laughs) And uh, Coach Daniels made a huge impact on my life. I'm forever grateful for having played for him. So, yeah. Yeah. That is the big, that is the nice thing about college too. You know, you're talking about the major junior in the college. And I think, you know, the, the college coaches, you, you develop such a relationship with the kids because you yeah. see so much growth over the four years. And it's not only on the ice, it's, it's more of the stuff, you know, what's going on off the ice and their growth in their lives and what you can help them with or, or what they need help with. So it's, um, yeah, that's, that's a fun story, you know? Yeah, Coach, we were just saying, I mean, before you came out, just the, the parity all over college hockey right now. I'm looking at this pairwise rankings, and I mean, I think there's four teams tied to the same spot right now, and it's just <laughs> it's it's unreal. What have you enjoyed about, you know, knowing they say it in football all the time, right, any given Sunday, but any given night in college hockey, what's that like? Especially our league. I mean, and we've, you know, yeah. we've learned a couple of lessons, you know, the, the hard way there of really beating a team up on Friday and then not coming back with a great effort and, uh, and getting stung. So, um, but that's, you know, as I told our, our group last week, the teams that, that separate themselves are the team that, that can win on Saturdays in, in college hockey. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I told our team last week, 30 teams won on Friday. You know how many of those thirty win come again and win on right. Saturday, yeah, and, um, and and you know the parity in college hockey has never been better. Um, part of it is the rules, you know, with the, with this transfer and and the fifth year of COVID, so that that's really made you know the parity tight. Um, but it, it's also great, and and you know every every night is it's a really hard fought game. A couple of bounces here, a couple of bounces there, and but I again back to the NHL thing. I think that's why kids are developing so well in college hockey right now is, is that, you know, it's, it's, it's every game means so much, almost like a playoff atmosphere where, right. you know, hits have to be finished and structure has to be played and, and specialty teams have to be good, you know, and, and kids have to be sharp. Well, right. one of those guys that's really sharp right now plays for one of your rivals, Macklin Celebrini. Mm-hmm. How much do you have to game plan to be ready to play against Macklin? Um, we have not played them yet. We played BC three times. We have BU three times within the next month. Um, and so we have Maine this week, and then we come back. We have two against BU. I watched the bean pot, um, and I was I was pretty impressed with Macklin. I saw him in Chicago a couple times recruiting, um, but, you know, I, I don't want to give too much away about game plan, but, you know. <laughs> He's he's a good he's a really good college hockey player and um, you know I I think you know a lot of a lot of what BU does um, he's the guy driving it yeah he was something last week for which sure. is amazing for a seventeen year old we talk about how hard it is to score in college hockey this guy's got over twenty goals already he's a seventeen year old in yeah. college hockey you know and you coached against Brady Kachuk so you know how good Brady was Brady right. only had eight goals his freshman year yeah you know, his first year in the NHL he had twenty three. Yeah, I still feel we had we had two defensemen. Uh, we played BU in the in the championship game of Hockey East that year, and Vinny Dearnay was on our team. He plays for Edmonton now. We had a, another defenseman by the name of Jacob Bryson. Um, he was in Buffalo. Yeah, it was in Buffalo, and they Brady Kachuk and Jordan Grenway were on the BU team, <laughs> and we dominated the first period of the game and didn't score. 
and then they come out and Quinny has them chipping and slashing. So every time they get the puck, they chip and slash to make Bryson go back for the puck. Oh God. And he took so many hits from, from Brady Kachuk and Jordan Gridaway that night. I almost, I, almost, I almost carried him to the bus, the poor kid. You know, I can still remember him going back for the pucks and, and I'm on the bench just kind of squinting going like, Oh, you know? Um, yeah. So, you know, that there was, there's some good players that have gone through. Macklin is certainly, you know, he's, he's, just like Kale McCarr and, and um, you know, he, he's going to play a long time for the NHL and, you know, hopefully he can look back on his time in hockey East and say it helped develop him and, uh, and, and he remembers all the rivalries and the good games. For sure. Well, coach, we, we appreciate you taking the time. I know you gotta, gotta get to the rink soon. So we'll let you go, but uh, good luck this weekend. And I hope to see you around the rink soon. Uh, it's good seeing you guys. And, and thanks for having me and hope to see you along the way. Thanks, all right. Really That's appreciate it. Nate. Take care. Thank you. Providence College Friars, big two game setup in Orono, Maine against the Maine Black Bears. Can actually leapfrog them in the standings. So, uh, a definite one if you can watch it and catch some of that. It'll be good games to watch. So, let's just look at the modern era. So, I'm going to start in 1955 going forward. That's what okay. I consider the modern era of college hockey. Providence College has had Tom Eccleston, who is a living legend. My brother played for him in prep school at the Hill School in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. Yep. Zelio Tapazzini, Lou Lamorello, Steve Sterling, Mike McShane, Paul Pooley, and Tim Army before Nate Lehman became the coach of Providence. He is, without a doubt, and I don't mean any disrespect to the other guys, it's not even close. He's, yeah. he's the best coach they've ever had in terms of winning percentage and national championships. He's the only one that won one. Yep. He's the only one that won one. And when he won it, they beat a BU team that had a guy marking in with Jack Eichel on there, yep. Matt Grizzlick on there, and David Quinn, who's coaching in the NHL, was the coach, and they beat him in Boston at Boston Garden, Jimmy. Yeah. Well, you know, you can say whatever you want. I'm just telling you, Nate's a really good coach, and I, I, believe, I know he's interviewed for NHL jobs. I don't know if any have been offered, but I know he's interviewed for some. Mm -hmm. It's not too far down the road where I think, unless guys don't want to do it, Greg Carvel's going to go to the NHL from UMass Amherst. I believe that. Mm -hmm. I believe that Nate Lehman's going to have a chance to go to the NHL if he wants to go. I think there's going to be a new trend, whereas most of the time it's been major junior coaches. Yep. I think the NHL is realizing that there's so many guys playing NHL now from college. Mm -hmm. You'll start to see a trend going. Now, a lot of guys aren't going to leave. Yeah. You know, forever, Herb Brooks chose not to leave Minnesota for a reason. Right. You know, it was too good. Yeah. You know, he, it's a great situation. They're in. You're in charge of your own players. Yeah. In, in the pros, great. you have to inherit the players that the scouts like or the GM likes mm -hmm. or the director of player personnel like. So, you know, how he was talking about, well, there's sometimes I go watch a guy and my assistants like him and, well, he doesn't pass my eye test. <laughs> I loved it. That was one of the best sound bites we've had on this. He yep. goes, it was great. So important. It yeah. is so important. Yeah. And it's why, you know, when we were trying to come up with a name for this show, I just tell you, every time I went on the road, I didn't care what the stats were. In fact, one I learned this from Scotty. Sorry to ramble on. But Scotty Bowman, I never took a program when I'd go into a rink. I would just watch the players because I didn't want to be predisposed to saying, oh, I heard bad things about That's this guy. I heard great idea. things about yeah. this guy. I wanted to watch him and determine on myself whether I thought 19 was any good or 24 was any mm -hmm. good or two was any good. 
And then at the end, you go and get a program and say, well, 19 was good, two was bad, 24 was good. And you look at their names and say, well, the scouts were right on that guy. They were right on that guy. They were right on that guy. And they were wrong on that guy. Yeah. So, you know, I, I guess one of the best ways to tell you, Jimmy, I'll never forget going to the Christmas tournament at Avon Old Farms. John Gardner was a coach. He still is the coach at Avon Old Farms. Right. Most words of any prep school coach in New England. Yep. He passed Kenny Martin, who was a living legend. Kenny had 707 at Belmont Hill. What I remember the most, the first time I ever saw, was watching this guy by the name of Leach. Mm -hmm. Brian Leach. Yeah. It was unfair. How, how was far ahead he was. Yeah. How much better he was than the other guys. And then a couple years later, I go up and watch their academy play. And I watch Jeremy Roenick and I watch Tony Amante. Amante, yeah. And it's I'm crazy going here on the same line. <laughs> this is not even fair. Yeah. Jer like Jeremy, Jeremy was so much better than the other boys his age. Yeah. He was so much better. And I'll never forget when, when Mike Keenan and the Chicago Blackhawks drafted him in the first round. He went, you know, he was supposed to go to play in Hull. Uh -huh. And he went to BC for two or three days. He went to Boston College for like two or three days. This school stuff's not for me. And he went to Hull. <laughs> And and he had an amazing year, and then all of a sudden you see him playing in the NHL. I mean, yeah, that's a how quick years later in the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I mean that's how quick the transition went yeah. for Jeremy. You know, so it's crazy. It, you know what I love too? What he said about when he's doing the eye test and he's going to watch players, Pierre was just that he'll go back because everybody's going to have a bad game. It can happen, but he wants to go back, and he almost seemed to enjoy that more to go back to see how the kid responds to the adversity or how he bounces back. And I, I liked that. I, I caught that. And it seemed to be kind of, you know, a, a quality of his that he want. That he, that's something that impresses him the most is not the kids that have it come easy to him, but the kids that have to earn it and the kids that can bounce back from a tough night. You know, he said one other thing. And I, again, you're spot on. He said one other thing that really mattered for your young guy out there. Remember what the coach said. Talked about body language. Yes. Huge. I noticed that I, too was so impressed by that it's one of the big keys when i go watch a game i could see a guy score three goals in a game and like be rude to his teammates or be rude to the opposition mm -hmm. have brutal body language doesn't pay attention to anybody or i could see a guy not score anything and when somebody else scores he celebrates and he's happy yeah. and he's positive or the guy that blocks a million shots and doesn't count on the stats right. comes to the bench and everybody's high-fiving him you know you want to see that yeah. Nobody's bigger than the sum of the team. Nobody. No, it was Nobody great. Is. It was, it was, it was, it was a good interview. I like him. I, I I've talked to him over the years, interviewed him in scrums, but I never really got to sit down and kind of pick his brain like that. So uh big thanks to coach Lehman for coming yeah. on here on an on campus Friday. Yeah. Another yeah. good one, Pierre. Um, let's open up to the questions if we can. Now, I don't know if we have the capability today um, just because of some production things going on in Vegas. They are working their tails off here, but there we go. There we go. We got some. All right, Marvin Matthews says, Pierre, I'm curious as to how many hockey games NHL Junior College you watch or attend during a regular week. I can tell you, Marvin, a lot. I can't quantify the number. Um, my wife might know better than me, Marvin. <laughs> um, but I can just tell you it's a significant amount. Um, and my day starts, you know, very early in the morning. And if if I miss something late, I'll go back and watch and break down tape and study trends. I think it's really important, whether it's college, the coach talked about it, major, junior, American League, 
European games, um, which you can get now, which is amazing, um, is studying trends. Like, what's the trend that's going on in the game today, and how would you attack it? How would you stop it? Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you create another trend to, to try to shut that down? So I watch a lot of that, but I, I couldn't give you a number, but it's a lot. It's yeah, a lot. for sure. It's definitely a lot, and I enjoy going back and forth with you as well, Pierre. Uh, on a nightly basis. <laughs> um, all right. If we have another question there, and if not, we'll talk, we'll finish talking about uh, Martian. I want to bring that up again after uh, Randy Workman, Jimmy, if, if you're Leafs GM, do you really sell your future for a run in the playoffs? No, but I think they will. I, I wouldn't. That's just me personally. Um, Cause I don't think they can win unless they get a goalie. I don't think they can win the Stanley cup. I, uh, I think they're going to be all in. I think they are too. I think it's going to be a roster of people. Let's just say they don't win. Let's just say it's a disappointing spring. There's some big name that's going to be out of there. Yeah. So I think they want to try to give those big names every opportunity to try to win this year. Yeah. They have no choice with the cap. They really don't. And one of the things that kind of hurt them a little bit, it's, it's not their fault. It hurt a lot of teams. The 2020 draft should have been one of the iconic drafts I'm telling you, since 03, 03. I remember you talking about it. 03 are are the best. Yep. The 2020 draft got hurt because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of teams weren't able to watch players. A lot of teams relied on numbers rather than the eye test to draft players. And it affected the depth of some of these teams. Now, you know how you recognize it? Right now is when a lot of those players should be turning pro. Or they should be making their way through the American League. And you don't see a lot of them coming because some were drafted based on numbers and not the eye test. And so, yeah. again, the Leafs were part of that. It's not their fault, by the way. It's not their fault. No, it, it, A lot of teams are in the same boat. Um, but I think they're going to be aggressive. I do. I think the Leafs are going to be one of the teams that's really aggressive. See, and here's the thing, too, Pierre. I'll expand this. Keep it not just staying with the Leafs, but overall – I get the sense, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know why, but I just have a hunch that we're going to see some big player-for-player player trades coming up. No, more well, than before, more than usual. No, I think you're right, and part of that is because of the cap. Of course, yes. And, and so even though the cap's going up next year, it's not going up this year. So, yeah. Jimmy, I, I think you're onto something there. I really do. Um, and, so that's going to be the fun part to watch. Uh-huh. Um, when you're a fan, if you're a fan, obviously, and fans care. The trade deadline is a, a big deal for hockey fans. It's a for huge sure. And I think, too, Pierre, before we go to the next question on that topic, just that, you know, when you have to do a trade like that, right, you maybe necessarily don't want to, but the cap is dictating it, and you're winning, and you're you're doing this to advance and to, to for a shot at the cup, right? Yeah. It's hard to really gauge which player – will have a disruption. Like if, if he exits this dressing room, is there going to be a void just in terms of emotions and his connections to his teammates? Forget about the skill. And that's something you have to balance as well is really grasping the the atmosphere and the environment around your team and who's who and, and who who does this for the team and who does that. So it's, it's going to be a balancing act for GMs if it comes down to that. That's so well said. So the one thing I've told you ever since I met you, the GM has to be the most intelligent there you go. expert on his team. And if you're a general manager and you think you know, but you don't really know, mm-hmm. you're going to be in trouble. 
So you need to talk to your coaches, frankly and openly. You need to know who's the pulse of the dressing room. You need to know who's the pulse on the ice. Yep. You know, there's some guys that are really good in the room, and they're not so good on the ice. Right. And there are other guys that don't say anything in the room, but they get on the ice, and they're really good. Yeah. And they're also emotional. You got to be really careful. You got to be smart about it, and you got to be an expert on it. And a lot of GMs, they don't always do the proper things, and that's when they make bad trades. More yeah. so than not, that's when they make bad trades. For sure. All right, let's go to the next question. Evan McLaren. Evan's always got good questions here. Last week, Boudreau described how upset his players were when he was let go in Vancouver. I wonder if feeling that they had that they had let a good man down motivated them at all to kick off this season's run. That's a great observation. I think it's fair. Yeah. You, Jimmy, I think it's more than fair. And Evan, thank you so much. And we're glad you're back in Iceland. <laughs> I hope he's treating you well. I think he was in Portugal not that long ago. That's getting right. a little done. Um, thank you, Evan. Your your questions are awesome. They're highly cerebral, and we appreciate them. We, Jimmy and I talk about them off yeah. the air, so we think they're great. Um, in terms of his question, though, Jimmy, I think that's part of it. Mm -hmm. I also think aggressive managing by Patrick Alvin and Jimmy Rutherford, yep. bringing in Sam Lafferty, um, you know, you see some of the players that bring in an Ian Cole, players, that, again, being experts, they were familiar with those players from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yep. You know, you look at the guys, uh, Bluger, Teddy Bluger is another one. That's a big one. They, they, Casey Dismiss, another one. Mm -hmm. Mark Friedman's another one. They knew all these guys from Pittsburgh. And yep. so they weren't afraid to bring them in because they knew what they did, both with the eye test and the character test. And Rick Tockett knew them unbelievably well. Yeah. So did Sergey Gonchar. Exactly. You know, so did Mike Yo. So that matters. It matters a lot. Yeah. And I, you know, Tockett mentioned that yesterday. I asked him about it. I said, you know, what, what's it like to play? I mean, to coach for a guy like Jimmy Rutherford, who you know is always like we've said it on this show up here many times, and he agreed with me, he always gets ahead of the market. He's gonna go get that guy at whatever price it takes, he's gonna get him. And he said it's great. I mean, I just know that I have a, a the people above me are in it to win it, no matter what, and yeah. and that helps me coach. So uh, it's it's a great thing to have there that trust that they have going on. But I, right. so just for Evan's question though, just one more yep. on Evan's question, I do think a lot of the guys in Vancouver were playing guilty. I do, but one of the good good things I think, anyways, is Rick came in with enough time to be able to go to Jimmy and say, yep. "This guy's good. This guy's not good." We need to get deeper here. We're deep enough there. You know, I think Rick had enough time to decipher the roster, and that really helped getting into this season. It really did. Yeah, that's huge, too. You know, that's a great point by you, Pierre, because I think it's some coaches who don't get named until the offseason. And the offseason, season, there really is no offseason that much in hockey anymore with how far into the summers we've been going because of COVID and everything. We're starting to get to normal. But you know what I mean? It's, it goes fast. You don't have that much time to go get to know the guys. And you're also not getting to know them on and off the ice. So um, I think that's a great point by you. All right, next question. Entertap. Gentlemen, if you are Kent Hughes, do you trade Savard while his value is high now? And if yes, yes, what do you get returned? You, you mm -hmm. gotta, I, I personally wouldn't be afraid to explore the market on David because of the wealth of young defensemen the Canadians have coming. Yes. You know, we, we talk about Lane Hudson. He doesn't do what David Savard does. Um, but could Logan Mayhew potentially do that? Could William Trudeau potentially do that? I mean, start looking at some of the guys they have um, down on the farm. Could Justin Barron do that? 
Yep. Uh, you know, I think they've already established that Jaden Struble's an NHL defenseman. I think they've established Jordan Harris as an NHL defenseman. I think they've established that Caden Gooley's going to be an elite defenseman in the NHL. So they're dealing from a position of strength. So I think what you have to look at is, okay, let's look at um, different defensemen that have been moved. Vancouver made a deal with Calgary, mm-hmm. you know, for a big defenseman, Zadorov. What was the payoff? Is Savard better than him? You know, does Savard have a little bit more upside? He's got championship pedigree. He's been part of winning the Stanley Cup. So, you know, does he bring a little bit more, or is that going to be the price? What Zadorov got Calgary, is that going to be the price for what Montreal gets for Savard? So that's where the management comes in on management asset, or asset management, excuse me. So, Pierre, let me ask you this, too. We just talked about Jimmy Rutherford setting the market, right, or getting ahead of the market. So Hughes' last move when he dealt Monaghan was a reaction to the Lindholm move, right? We'd agree. For Winnipeg, for Winnipeg, yeah. right? Winnipeg, right. I haven't won a game in a while. Yeah. <laughs> they so, haven't scored a goal in a while either. But the teams, what, what I want to get to is, so you're Kent Hughes. You're not a team that's, you know, trying to make additions for the playoffs. You're trying to mm-hmm. unload and build up, stock up the system and get ahead. Maybe, obviously, I would imagine some of these draft picks that he's stockpiling, he can use as collateral as well in trades. <laughs> Um, do GMs in his spot set the market or do they wait for the teams that are competing for the playoffs to set the market? Um, it depends if you have a real good trading friend or not. You know, okay. I don't know who Kent, we should have asked Kent this. I don't know, but he was an agent. So he had yeah. to deal with all the general oh, yeah. in the league. I think that helps yeah. him. So, yeah, it, I think it does. Or if you had an acrimonious negotiation, it could hurt him. Um, I'll use an example. Um, I was part of the Brady Kachuk negotiation that got him his contract in Ottawa. And I would say that that negotiation, there was some really acrimonious times mm-hmm. and there were some amazingly positive times. And so eventually I think everybody left feeling pretty good about it. You know, whether it was Craig Oster or Donnie Meehan or Patrick Morris who were representing him for Newport sports or Peter McTavish or the former general manager in Ottawa or myself, we all felt, you know, pretty good about it right? Um, when it was all said and done. But I can tell you there were parts, Jimmy, in that negotiation that were pretty acrimonious. And, and that that's hard because I'm really good friends with all three of the guys. Yeah, the yeah. Table. It happens. It happens. It really does. I mean, even like, who was it recently? Um, why am I drawing a blank here, Pierre? There's a player that said, He'd ne- oh, it was it was Swayman when remember a couple weeks back and he said I wouldn't wish that on any uh, any other NHL player or my worst enemy. He's talking about going through the talks and arbitration, which I know you know can get well, very it's a lot more civilized now, Jimmy, than what it was. I can tell you right now. I mean, oh, it was brutal back in the day, from what I heard. I re- <laughs> asked Joe Juno. <laughs> I, yeah, Harry Sinan did a number on Joe. Yeah. But, you know, Harry was just so much more prepared than anybody else, and. He was draconian. You know, he, he worked yep. for his owner. He worked for his organization. He didn't care what other people thought. Yep. That, that's one of the things I really respected about Mr. Sinan was his whole thing was about doing well for the Jacobs, the Bruins fans, and for the organization. That was his thing. That and it, it worked. Hey, heck, it worked for the guy. Yep. It, yeah, yeah. it worked for him. Unbelievable. But I would tell you this, not everybody would be comfortable doing that. No. You know, no. I, I, remember, I remember sitting in an arbitration in a hotel room. And um, the player was sitting in the room and I, I was not comfortable at all because yeah. later that night I had to coach the player. Yeah. 
you know so you got to be honest as well yeah i mean so you're sitting there and you're like wow i'm not sure i really want to do that so it's changed a lot since then they've kind of taken some of the management people out of the out of the whole thing and now it's more lawyerly than it was back then but it it boy it was tough arbitration was tough i bet all right we got time for about two more here have either of you seen any of Patrick Waugh's post-game press conferences? Very impressed by his attention to detail and the way he breaks down the game for journals. Yes, and I love his personality in it, too. He's really hitting a home run so far, in my opinion. This is, this is an example, Marvin, of somebody who learned. Matthews, by the way. Yeah, great question. This is an example of somebody that learned from their first time. Mm -hmm. And. You know, he was funny when he was a player because he was the best player. Oh, yeah. And so he could do that. He could be cocky. <laughs> but when he, came, when he came in as a coach, he tried to bring that same stuff to the party, and he wasn't the best coach because no. he didn't have the experience to be the best coach. And he learned, and then he went back and did his chores in, in the Quebec Major Junior League, and he won a whack of games. He was really good. And I yep. think he learned. He studied. And I have so much respect for what Patty's done with his life and with his career now. Uh, tons of respect for that. It's not easy to do. You know, another guy that did that, Alain Vigneault. I'm yeah. just telling you, you know, yeah, after like he got fired by Montreal, uh, he went back working in the, in the Quebec Major Junior League. Then he went and coached the American League with Manitoba. Then he got his big break in Vancouver and took the Canucks to, you know, a game seven in 2011. Yeah. So I, I would like to think if I had another chance to be a head coach that I would be better dealing with the media and better dealing with my players than maybe I was when I was 32. Yeah. You know, coming yeah. off of two Stanley Cups and thinking everything you do is right and everything somebody else does is wrong. Yeah. You know, because you've won. You yeah. know, what do you have left to prove? Well, you got, a lot, you got a lot left to prove, I can tell yeah. you. And I, you learn from that. And oh, I think yeah. I really learn from that. I really yeah. do. I, mean, I can say I do the same in my my journalism career. You know, you, you go you go through things and you maybe it comes a little too easy at first and you get a little comfortable. You can't get that way. Um, by the way, I see our Entertap and Randy Workman uh, bantering back and forth about Jacob Markstrom. And yes, Randy, you're well, you're absolutely right. Well, I don't know if you heard, Pierre. They called up uh, Wolf. I, I'm aware today. Yeah, yeah. Our one on IR. Well, they they were wondering if maybe there was something going on with a move coming with March. But no, it's just Vladar is on IR. They called up the rookie, and he'll be in there. I believe tomorrow night they play. Uh, and he'll be in there. For hey, Jimmy, I'll tell you one thing right now. They got a win in New Jersey last night, and I know they obviously got a win in Boston two nights before. Uh, if they don't have Markstrom in goal, especially at the beginning of that game, Calgary gets ripped apart. Yeah. He, that guy stood on He stabilized the whole game. He's, he really quietly, he's quietly on a nice little string pier. Yeah, I was researching for the Bruins-Flames game, right? And I was really surprised to see his goals against and his save percentage were just astronomical over his last, like, seven starts. You know what? Really, talking about it, you know? No, they're not. They're not because they're obviously not in the playoffs right now, right. but they're starting to push, which is great. The one thing I'd say, I'm really happy, and this is a great – you know, we're talking about college coaches getting opportunities, which I think is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Ryan Husk is a great example of a guy that earned his spot. I remember when Mark Habscheid was coaching in Kelowna, he used to bring me in to run some practices, and mm -hmm. Ryan Husk was one of the assistant coaches. He couldn't have been more gracious because I was kind of coming in just to as a hired gun to have some fun with the players and push them and right. be the the you know the dark doctor, not the <laughs> nice doctor, you know the dark doctor. And we had phenomenal. I just loved it. My time there with ownership was great. Oh, that's great. The coaches were great. I just had a blast going on the ice when I was out in Kelowna. And um, 
Ryan was one of the guys there. So when I see him, I'm going, he worked his way. This was like, when I was there, it was like 25 years ago, 20 years wow. ago. This guy worked his tail off to get this chance. Yep. And he's getting the chance and he's doing a real good job he with is. it. Considering he's everything that's happened with that team. With yeah, he is. He is. He yeah, deserves so, a lot of credit. I'm so happy for him. I really, you love it when you see guys like that get the opportunity and take advantage of it. Yep, for sure. That we do. All right, one more question here and we'll close her up. All right, Paige, uh, Perlo Wisdom, is the buzz around Zegers legit? I think so. I think so, too. I, you know, Pat I don't know if he gets moved now, but it yeah, is. Yeah, that might be a draft day yeah, type yeah. of deal, if he does. But Patty's really a fan of hard hockey, mm -hmm. you know, tough guy. It doesn't mean Trevor can't play hard or isn't tough. I'm not saying that. He's just a different kind of a player. He's not what Patty Verbeek was. And I think – your friendship with Greg Cronin, the head coach there, would tell yeah. you that Crow has a certain way he sees players. Yeah. <laughs> I just know Greg was a really tough guy. And so I kind of get, you know, yeah. you yeah. know what he's thinking. And he's so, not going to take any BS. No. So, again, we'll see how it plays out. I don't think there's anything imminent right now. But Me too. Going forward, Jimmy, I think you and I both are on the same page. Anaheim's going to be a tough team to play against. They got a whack yeah. of guys coming. I mean, they're still too young to win, but they got a whack of guys coming. They've oh, done it even before Patty got there. They did some really good drafting. They are so stacked up the middle going forward here, and that's yeah. that's what cup teams do. They're stacked up the middle, so uh, they're going to be a fun team to watch. Well, listen, we want to thank Providence College head coach Nate Lehman for joining us here on On Campus Friday. Thank our production crew out in Las Vegas, and thanks to you, the viewers, and the listeners for participating as well. And, Pierre, uh, enjoy those games this weekend. Uh, go Colgate. Thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate it. Looking forward to next week. We got some uh, – we always do this every Friday, but we got some hot guests on the line. Yep. We just have to reel them in, Jimmy. Yes, we will. We will. <laughs> not. And I'm looking forward to Monday too, Pierre. Hopefully I'll see you. We'll, oh, bean pot. We'll hit the, we'll hit the bean, bean pot. pot. action, yeah. I got All my right, tickets today, good. so I'm looking forward to that. All right, we'll enjoy the hockey this weekend, everyone. This has been another edition of the Eye Test on the Sick Podcast Network. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Eye Test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.